Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Little known fact about my guest today, when his family left Germany, their last name, Regenbogen, was translated to rainbow, which is what Regenbogen means in English. Randy Rainbow is my guest today, and if you know Randy's work, you know there has never been a better last name for this unbelievable talent. Welcome, Randy Rainbow, to the podcast. A-OK. Hey everyone, my guest today is Randy Rainbow. Randy is a four-time Emmy and Grammy-nominated comedian, producer, actor, singer, writer, best known for his popular web series, The Randy Rainbow Show. His debut solo album, A Little Brains, A Little Talent, recorded on Broadway Records, earned him a 2023 Grammy nomination for Best Comedy Album. He has toured the U.S. with his sold-out solo musical comedy concerts, and his videos are seen by hundreds and hundreds of millions of people all over the world. His memoir, Playing With Myself, is a New York Times bestseller. It has been said that Randy is the love child of Harvey Firestein, Bette Midler, and Anderson Cooper. So today we are here to find out, is this true? Welcome, Randy Rainbow. Thank you so much, Alana. It's nice to be with you. I am the love child of all those people. 100%. Someone said that in a review once that was that was pulled from a review. But uh, I've I've adopted it now, and it's now a part of my official bio. <laughs> I feel like that would be the most delicious DNA for anyone to have on yeah. every level. Every one of them is just uniquely gifted, as are you. But I do want to ask you, because I know you've discussed it in your book, and I know that your last name isn't Firestein or Midler or Cooper. <laughs> um, it's Rainbow, and and I think people are always really curious how in fact your family because you've said that is in fact your real name it's on your birth certificate license all the places but what is the origin story uh of that name as you understand it as i you know what i should really memorize this better but i wrote it all out in my in, in the first chapter of my book and i even read it in the audible version so if you want the full every detail go i refer you to those but essentially it was, you know, it wasn't, people assume that it was at least changed maybe at Ellis Island or something, but it was the actual translation of the word Regenbogen, the German word for rainbow. My whole life, yeah, that has been the number one question. Obviously people think that it's a hokey stage name. Um, I would not have chosen it. It was a very difficult childhood, Alana. But um, yeah, that's that's 
it was it was translated, but essentially it has always been rainbow. So thank God I turned out to be a gay entertainer and not a quarterback or whatever those are called. Who wear different costumes uh, than you do. Um, Well, let's talk a little bit about that before we get into um, your recent absolute like meteoric rise, especially during COVID when we were all at home and terrified and desperately in need of entertainment and thoughtful entertainment. You fed us in the most incredible way. And it's like you plugged into the zeitgeist and understood exactly what the culture needed and you have been rewarded for it. And and we thank you, but let's go back. Like, where did you grow up? Who was in the house you grew up with? What were the influences? How did you fall in love with theater and musicals? Um, grew up, well, I was born on Long Island and then we moved to South Florida, which is a little shameful to admit to these days. Um, but yeah, when I was about nine years old, so I, I spent the bulk of my childhood in, in, in plantation, Florida. Why did you um, move? Why did your family move? My, at that again, time? I refer you to the book for all the drama, because there's a whole story about my father who, and that's a whole chapter unto itself for another podcast, but um, he was having some some uh, business troubles that kind of led us to, ha- to have to move. Um, and there was some, some opportunity for him in Florida. So we got in a car and schlepped our way over. Um, and my mother, I mean, really my, my influence for theater, I would say, my mother really introduced me, I would say. To, to musical theater. She was she was always putting me to sleep with the soundtracks to Oklahoma and the Music Man. She wanted to raise the gayest child on the block. Um, and uh, yeah, we just, my father was um, uh, an entertainer. He was a musician, a singer and a drummer. There was always some, uh, you know, there was, it, it was a very showbiz positive family. It was always encouraged, you know, to, to audition for the school play and things like that. So I, I just grew up in a family that, that, that loved theater. And uh, even those who were bankers were kind of closeted comedians to some extent. And were you doing that? Were you doing musicals growing up? Yeah, I was in the, uh, well, when I was about, I think six, they put me in ballet lessons. So it started, uh, I started as a dancer. I am in no capacity a ballet dancer anymore, but that's really kind of where it started. And then I would, uh, you know, do do all of the like uh, you know, community theater camps and uh, in Hollywood, Florida, I went to the Hollywood Playhouse with Josh Gad, who has of course gone on to great fame and success. And, uh, you know, we would, we would put on musicals every weekend while the other little kids were playing sports. And was that, you know, a lot of people talk about the theater or musical theater in particular being a place when you describe who you were as a kid and how your name ended up to be a really fitting moniker in certain Mm -hmm. ways. um, Was that a happy place for you or was that fraught as well? Oh, that was my happy place. That was it. Yeah, that was my escape. Um, I would, I would just count the the seconds, um, at school waiting for the time that, you know, it, it would be the weekend and I could go on stage and, and do a show. So you have an incredible voice. You are a comedic genius. 
you love doing musical theater. Sounds like it was the only thing you really loved and that kept you going in Plantation, Florida. And I think that is still true for so many kids in Plantation, Florida today, I would assume, especially now more than ever as we go backwards in time. Um, Tell me sort of you finish high school, do you go to college? Do you continue studying theater? What happens when you're kind of free of your little town? Well, I uh, I went to college for about nine minutes. I went to a community college, but I never, re- well, first I have to tell you, Alana, because yes. I'd be remiss not to tell you. When I was in high school, my, the first show that I did, I went, I, I, I sort of was a big fish in my little, you know, the Hollywood Playhouse when I was a kid doing those summer camps. Then I got to high school and I was very nervous, very shy, did not even go near the drama club the first, my, you know, my freshman year. Um, I just kind of sat on the sidelines, but then finally worked up the nerve to to audition for the big school musical the next year, and it was "You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown." And so you you um, your uh, revival was really I mean you're kind of a big part of the soundtrack of my youth because that came out in '99, which was the year I graduated, and we had just done it two years prior, so that was like the cast album. Yeah. Yeah. And I had tickets to come to New York and then unfortunately it closed before we got to see you. But yeah, that was a big there's a there's a chapter in my book called uh, You're a Gay Man, Charlie Brown. And it kind of covers that whole period. But um, that makes me really happy to know that that I have been in your ears before. No, no, no. It was a joy. I'm so Um, glad. And um, so I, when I graduated, I went to uh, college for j- just a few minutes. I was dating my first boyfriend who knew someone who got us a gig on a cruise ship working as social staff slash entertainment, which meant by day we would host bingo and horse racing by the pool. And by night we got to sing in the mermaid lounge. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, and then I, we stayed there for about a month. I, I jumped ship and moved back Why? home. That was not fun. Not fun. Uh, yeah, it was just not for me. And I was, we were so young. I think it, had I done it a few years later, I would have been more appreciative right. of the gig. Yeah. But, you know, I was very, we were, both of us, we were very sheltered and they kept, you know, when you, when you work those cruise ships and this was kind of a schlocky cruise ship, if I right. may, I won't say right. the name. But um, it they they really you know from the second you wake up they've got you on a schedule, and we did not care for that. <laughs> so we were you know we were kind of divas about it. Right. Um, what kind of was, stuff were you singing? Well, back then, I mean, it was a lot of show tunes, obviously, and and those. I mean, I think <laughs> it was me and my boyfriend, and we were. I remember only doing um a medley from Sideshow where he and I sang both leads. And so clearly, you know, we were dating as well. And that was no secret. Um, but then moved back to home and, you know, was trying to figure out what the hell to do. I didn't know. And then I, I you know, long story short, moved to, just picked up and moved to New York. I had a couple of friends who were pounding the pavement. So I stayed with them. Um, again, a miserable time for me because kind of a princess and I, I'm not really, you know, one to, to um, to couch surf, but something in me knew that I had to make this work. I had to, I had to come to New York and I had to make it work. 
and didn't even know why really like I I because I didn't a lot of people assume that I came and and I you know started pounding the pavement with my friends and auditioning but again scared of my own shadow had no confidence had no and, and I just knew that I belonged here and I had to come and kind of grow up and I knew that while I did that Broadway and theater and show business to some extent would be down the block and it would be you know within my my reach and that was good enough and I just something in me said you got to stick it out so what was the connector like what was the breakthrough well I mean YouTube was the connector frankly because I went many years not doing it and I went many years you know just kind of living and, and working in restaurants and trying to grow up and I needed that because I was I was 21 22 when I moved here and I was really like 12 I was the youngest 22 year old so when you think about like your first community of friends like definitely for me working at a restaurant as a young person in New York like that was kind of my first group of friends yeah the the bartender ended up leaving and becoming like an assistant to a casting director for all my children and suddenly he was getting us all into read for you know either under fives or got people extra work like those relationships from that restaurant were actually the most <laughs> important for the beginning did you have that as well kind of meeting people as you were oh yeah yeah because as you know when you when you come to New York and you're in a restaurant it's all it's all you know carbon copies of you to some extent it's all creative people who are who don't want to be in that job you're in your 20s you're you know, it's just, it's such a, a communal experience. So yeah, I met, I met friends that, you know, I, I still, unfortunately I lost, I've kind of lost day-to-day -day touch with them, but they're always in my heart. And I feel like, you know, we'll always have a really unique bond. So, so yeah, the restaurants were big. And then, and then, and then I worked, uh, I did a lot of reception work. And were you good at that? Fabulous. Yeah. Actually, the first receptionist job that I got was working at Richard Frankel Productions, now Frankel Green, I believe they're still called, who at the time were producing, um, they were producing Hairspray and Stomp. Those were their kind of big juggernauts. And we're just starting to do the Patti Lapone, Michael Cerverus revival of Sweeney Todd. So I was in heaven. You know, I would go and I would just, I would make the coffee in the morning and then answer the phones. But you didn't know if when you answered the phone, it could be Patti Lapone, it could be Elaine Stritch. You know, it was yes. like, this, this, I, I kind of thought that I had made it in show business. To some well, extent. you did at yeah, that well. time, right? I mean, I mean, that is thrilling to be in, in, um, in, to be, to breathe the same air as the thing you've loved for so long is pretty exciting. Yeah, and I joke about it, but, uh, you know, self-deprecatingly, but I think that that really did kind of that 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 did shift my perspective a little bit because that for the first time I was it wasn't down this block anymore I was in the building and even though I, I was still too scared to really you know do anything about it uh as creatively or as a performer something in me was like okay this is attainable yeah yeah so I want to talk about I mean I think back to like the prop eight video different videos mm. that I that are in my consciousness of sort of like I can't remember the day I discovered Randy Rainbow um but I remember I remember what I saw and and 
talk to me about what the inspiration was for these brilliant parodies, as it were, that talked about what was going on in politics in your unique, hilarious voice. Um, well, it started with, um, while I was working as a receptionist, I also started a blog back when everyone was having a blog. And and I kind of made it Broadway bent and kind of would talk about my day and uh, my dating life. And also it was, a, it was a lot of kind of commentary on entertainment news. And eventually um, the Mel Gibson story happened when Mel Gibson's, those tapes were leaked of him having those rants to his ex-wife or girlfriend or whatever. And I kind of had built up a little bit of a following at the blog. And I it, something clicked in me that um, I should maybe take some of this comedy that I was writing, this that I was kind of hon honing my voice as a comedian with these blog posts and do something performative. So I I just decided to do this skit where I walked around my apartment having romantic phone conversations with his anti-Semitic, racist, homophobic phone messages. And it went kind of viral-ish. For the dime, it got like 100,000 views in a week. And back then that was a big friggin' deal. Yeah. So um, this this kind of uh, set, set the wheels in motion for this shtick of mine. And I just kept doing it. I just followed the bouncing ball of whatever was going on. And it eventually uh, uh, became more political. Um, so yeah, I just, that's that's really how it started. And then eventually jumped to, I started doing it for Broadway World, which is a, of course a well-known theater site. They wanted, they hired me to do sort of my weekly take on theater news in my style and I would make videos for them. And that was really when I started adding the uh, song parody element, because I know I knew I, I I had always been a singer and I wanted to show off a little bit. And so I started adding some music to those videos and somehow they they just combined, you know, I combined the two and started doing the musical parody with the more mainstream news. And who knew people like that? hundreds of millions of people like it um was Broadway world the first time in terms of monetizing this thing like making this actually like I do this for a living how mm. did that happen I guess Broadway world was the, although god bless Broadway world I'm very grateful to them they did not uh you know <laughs> when I, I say I, monetize maybe you know, that's I not mean, the exact word term loosely yeah it was it was I was making I was getting some form of monetary compensation I, it was ridiculous to assume that I could quit my day job from it and yet I did <laughs> Um, because it was for the first time uh, I was hearing from people in the industry. Audrey McDonald started DMing me and, and pr producers and directors. And like this gave me the confidence and kind of kicked me to the next level within myself to say, hmm, I don't know why, but I just feel like I need to quit my job. And that is not, you know, like me. I'm not really loosey goosey like that. Um, you know, my mother has instilled a very kind of fear-based, uh, and I'm grateful for it, a work ethic. So it was a strange thing for me to do, but I did it and it worked out. How does that 
then turn into a full-time job? Is it It's called YouTube? Donald Trump. It's one is it? You know, it's I knew I knew early on somewhere in me, I guess, you know, I had I was kind of always while I was thinking that I was just doing this to showcase my talents as an entertainer. And I thought the end of this will be someone will pluck me and put me in a sitcom or put me on stage or blah, blah, blah. I knew that this gimmick would 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 be helpful and would somehow guide me to where I needed to go, because if you just follow the you know if you just kind of paint by the numbers as far as um the news and if 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 i knew if that was my gimmick then there would always be headlines there would always be topics to cover um and i just stuck with them and sure enough that really paid off and and in 2016 i don't have to tell you uh, there was an endless amount of entertainment and that uh, you know material rather i shouldn't say entertainment Hopefully I turned it into entertainment, but it uh, it really took everything to the next level. And in terms of all of the, t- you know, for this will be on YouTube as well, um, but for podcast listeners at home, um, there's a there's a green painted wall behind Randy. Mm-hmm. So we know that's sort of where the green screen magic happens. How was it that you were, you know, you know, there's there's this thing that has to come together of talent and then a skill set that is exactly right for the medium you're working in. Your ability to know how to manipulate technology to make the content you want to make. First of all, were you always just a kid who kind of was playing around in the world of of editing? Yes, to some extent. I went to look back. I, I was like, uh, there was a time when I would lock myself in a room. We had a camcorder and I would make stop motion animation videos with my, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures. Right. So to some extent, I, I, I never consciously, I never thought that was really an interest, but yes. And then there was a time when I would, I would kind of parody MTV music videos and, and do kind of stop by stop uh just you know kind of replicas of those with me and wigs so i've been doing some form of this since i'm a kid um but i don't i never really had uh well i guess yeah i i never thought that i had a a, a gift or a, or an interest or a talent for the technical part of it because it doesn't it doesn't feel like it it is of interest to me again it's a means to an end so everything I do now, all of the editing is done by me and I've never taken a class or learned how to do anything. It's kind of just all by ear and, right. and the vision right. that I have in my okay. head. Okay, so that's the technical part. And then there are the lyrics that you write as you parody, you know, Randy takes well-known musical theater songs and replaces the lyrics with the most hilarious, completely spot on, whatever the topic is. So is that like, like, have you been the Lin-Manuel Miranda this forever? And it all, that all came together as well? Um, again, a means to an end. I, I thought I, I was a, a singer and an actor and that was it. And I did not, you know, have, as I said, the confidence to go allow someone to try to, to put me in a project. I didn't trust that anyone would know what to do with me. So the editing, the writing, all of that came because I knew I had to create content. I, I had to create, a, you know, 
something for my for to perform and then I had to package it myself um so didn't didn't really grow up as a you know thinking that I would be a writer in any way but a, a massive musical theater fan since I'm a kid so Sondheim was a, a massive influence in my life talk about in the book how I later went on to meet him that's a whole <laughs> chapter um and he he became someone in in my in my life actually but um yeah, just just a means to an end. I don't know what I'm doing, Alana. I'm, I'm winging it. Well, this wing in a prayer is going really well, Randy Rainbow, because you are reaching so many people. And, you know, there's this idea of going viral. Everyone tries to go viral and tries to figure out, like, what's the algorithm and what's the thing? And And it seems to me that it works only organically. Like it has to come yeah. from truth, right? Oh like my God, that's so important. Yeah, because there, I did go through a time, of course, and I'm I'm so thrilled that I am the age I am and that I came up in the time of social media when it wasn't what it is today. God bless these TikTok stars. I do not have that in me. That is not of interest to me. I wouldn't, I'm not good at that kind of content creation. I don't, because just because it's, it's so, as you said, it's so technical technical it's so about the algorithm it's and and there was a time where I was floundering a little bit and didn't know what what am you know what is my act do I should I be more political should I should I stick with the theater stuff should I do less music more music and finally one day I just said screw it let me just do what feels right let me do what I just love and when I just started having a great time, which is what I'm still doing to this day, just playing dress up, putting on wigs and costumes and singing the songs that I want to sing that no one, you know, in uh, from shows that no one would cast me in, in any mainstream sense. That's when people started gravitating toward me. So it really, it's not about the politics. It's not, I'm not a pundit of any kind. Uh, I, I can, I, I hope I'm politically aware and active, but it, that's not the secret sauce to what I'm doing. That's not what what gets eyeballs on me. I truly believe it's that people are watching someone just have a great time and uh, live out their childhood dreams. As far as musical theater, it just so happens the topics are 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 kind of you know weightier, sometimes depressing topics from the news. Okay, so let's talk about Broadway. It just seems to me Randy Rainbow on Broadway is is such an obvious choice for the world now. So how do how do we make that happen? Is that still something that would make you happy? Yeah, let's how do we make that happen? Yeah. Cuz um, I know you're touring. I'm touring. I'm just about to embark on my new tour, my Randy Rainbow for President tour. And um, it's a it's a new show. That's why I'm like exhausted right now. Forgive me if I'm a little low energy, but I am putting I'm getting ready to, you know, I've got three weeks till I launch this thing and it's a new band and it's new script and it's a whole new production. So um, we kick it off mid-October. When will this is this? Does this work with Probably our it, it'll it'll absolutely correspond as it turns okay, out. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. So go to randyrambo.com for tickets. But um the hope and dream and prayer that we're working on now 
I'm not at liberty to discuss too much, and there's also not too much to discuss at this time, uh, is that this will land for a limited engagement on Broadway okay, in 2024. Great. That seems perfect to me, and anything I can do to help make that happen. Um, yeah, I'll keep you posted. Yes, yeah, starts today. So there are a lot of you out there. And I think we just write in to um, the Broadway Times that that's a must happen. Yes. Write and, a letter to your Broadway yeah, senator. to your Broadway to your Broadway senator and call and don't stop calling. Let them know yeah. what you demand. And so, I don't know. I don't even know why it has to be a limited run, but whatever. That's up. Well, to we're you. gonna you know we're gonna start small. You know. Okay. Okay. I'm very Jewish. I'm like let's let's hang on. Let's not so get ahead of ourselves. Let's I not get ahead of ourselves. I cannot even tell you. It is so heady for me to be talking to you today, um, because the hours and hours of enjoyment, and also the conversation it leads to when you find someone else who's a Randy Rainbow lover. Um, yeah. The joy of kind of going, have you seen that one? Have you? It's like, it was like the way kids used to, you know, trade Pokemon cards. Now that it's trading so Randy that, Rainbow videos. What a great compliment that is. And I, and I did, it's not, you know, you mentioned the pandemic and that sort of being the next step after Trump. Um, when I kind of, that kind of expanded my audience, but you have no way of knowing because it's so isolating what I do and what anyone who creates content for social media or you know, the internet, I'm all alone in a room with this friggin' green wall and you don't know what kind of impact it's having on people other than you see numbers, sometimes bigger, sometimes smaller, you know, uh, on in, in your metrics. But it's not until I started touring that I was able to be in the same room with people and feel and see firsthand that lovely connection that you're talking about. And when you do, when you come to one of my shows, it is a, a communal experience and people are excited to meet up and uh, it's a, it's a, it's the best compliment you can pay me. Art, musical theater in particular, that did all of those things for me. It taught me, it gave me a new perspective, um, particularly as a kid and still to this day. And, and above all, gave me comfort in times when I needed it most. So really all I'm doing is using those tools to hopefully provide a little levity and comfort to people uh, when when they need it most. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 I, I'm I'm thrilled to have um, found this path in life because I think that the performance side of it, you know, just just looking for views, looking to to showcase whatever talent one may have, that kind of loses its charm after a while. And and you and you do, I think with any profession, as Oprah, I was just watching her say something. I'm just gonna rip off Oprah now for the last part of this interview. But she, you know, she talks, of course, about you know, reaching a point where you take the thing that you love to do, your career, and you say, how can I use this to be of service? And to reach that place is a, a great gift. And I hope that I hope to continue finding ways to be of service while still having a great time and wearing wigs and- And pink cheap glasses, exactly. Pink glasses. Um, uh, before I let you go, is there a little known fact about you that you can share? A little known fact about, well, after you read my book, um, there will be none because this is in there too. But we were talking about restaurants at the beginning of this interview, and that leads me to 
um, my first restaurant job when I moved to New York, which was at Hooters. I was a Hooters host. I hostess. I was a Hooters girl. Um, and uh, people don't, although among my base, that's becoming sort of more widely known, but that's that's one that I like to share. Didn't can... wear the orange shorts or the white tank top. They you did, did not. not. They oh, would not allow me. I tried. That is a shame. That is a shame. All right. So let's just make sure people know how to find everything you do. So yeah. just, is it one-stop shopping at your website or is the YouTube channel? T tell us. Yeah. Go to randyrainbow.com. You'll find everything you've ever desired, but that's where you can get tickets. You can find all my socials and et cetera. And also you have to pick up Playing With Myself, Randy's book. It's um, it's hilarious and also like deeply moving. Okay. And congrats on all of it. And thank you for being on the podcast. You are amazing. And I am so lucky I got to be with you today. Thank you, Randy. Thanks, Alana. Hey, I have some news. Little Known Facts is now available to watch on YouTube. Hours and hours and hours of interviews that you can see my fabulous guests. And guess what it's called? Little Known Facts with Alana Levine. Catchy, right? Anyway, head on over to YouTube and watch the podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe. Also, if you want to donate to the podcast, zero pressure, but if you want to, no donation is too big or too small. I am so grateful for you for listening, but if you want to donate, just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com forward slash donations. Lastly, Little Known Facts is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, USA. My editor is Nicholas Clark. None of this happens without Nicholas. And the Little Known Facts theme song was composed and sung by Georgia Famusa with backup vocals by Caleb Famusa. Thank you for listening and have an amazing day. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.